Brownstone with Jara Monique. I'm Jara, and this is the show where we explore how people experience and engage with different aspects of life from their varied perspectives, all while sharing some laughs, some gags, and some advice. On today's show, I am joined by my very special friend, Catherine. <laughs> and Hello. Catherine. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about living abroad, moving abroad, and grad school. So, Catherine, welcome to the Brownstone, officially. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Thank you for doing this. How are you? I'm good. I'm excellent. Um, I'm in a park right now, so I have a mask on. So if you can't hear me that well, just tell me to speak up. (laughs) Yeah, and um, Catherine, you guys wouldn't know this, but Catherine is in Spain currently, uh, currently living in Spain for the past three years now. Four. Four. It was four years in July. Four. Oh, my God. I know. How? It's been four years. So, yeah, we got there in the oh, fall of 2016. Right. 2016. That's right. Yeah, we started Spanish class, like, the second week of September. So, we, it might be our four-year anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't even think about that. That is incredible. What, uh, I guess, like universal timing or whatever you know it's so weird because i i'm always counting by the time i got home so i'm like oh it's been three years since i was in spain and i like totally discount like the year i spent there (laughs) yeah exactly i don't know if it was the same for you as it was for me but i was so overwhelmed when i first got there it took me until about thanksgiving to feel like i had my head above water just because obviously it was such a new country new language new everything and it was it was hard to adjust to and you kind of forget those beginning months because they were a little traumatic. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> after you get the swing of things and after you can speak a little Spanish, it got a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Very. I think <laughs> I have like some journals that I wrote from like the first uh, couple days and they're so like sad. <laughs> Aww. Like, Aww. I, I sound like a 12 year old. Like, like, I'm like, it's, it's my first Friday in Spain and, and I'm so excited and I'm going to try to go out and to a cafe by myself today. And it's just like, oh God, girl. Yeah, like I'm sitting in the Puerto de Sol alone having a beer. watching. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did you go straight to your host family's house? I did. They picked me up from the airport. Yeah, they picked me up from the airport. Oh, that's kind of <laughs> sweet. That was super sweet, but it that's was sweet. like... It's like being thrown right in. Like you have no time to like acclimate. Yeah. That's why I asked is if you had a little bit of time to like gather your bearings. But if you went straight into the house, then y'all were in the city though, weren't you? Um, We were, but like the outskirts, the outskirts of the city. I was up in Las Tablas. So yeah, we were in Central. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it's really well communicated. Yeah. I think, I think most of the city is like the, the transport is like one of the easiest to um to kind of understand it <laughs> that's true that is really true and now google maps you can press the public transport button and it'll tell you exactly how to go that's really handy oh that's awesome yeah no my first couple, my first couple of months um and sorry we're jumping ahead guys we should i should probably explain what the uh, we're talking about <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, God. I'm so disappointed. No, no. It just occurred to me. People are like, what? Um, <laughs> okay. So, sorry. So, the first segment of the show is normally called, it's called, What's the Meaning? And this is where we take a word um, and pretty much just discuss what it means to us and our understanding and experience with it. And today's word um, 
which some of you may have figured out by now, is au pair, <laughs> which is what Catherine and I were when we first arrived in Spain. We were au pairs. Um, am I even saying it right? Is it? Is it? Yeah, I assume so. I think it's French. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I say au pair. <laughs> I say au pair too. <laughs> so uh, some people might be wondering, like, what the hell is an au pair? So, like, how would you define it, Catherine? Um, I would define it as essentially a fancy word for a babysitter, a live-in babysitter, um, <laughs> essentially what we were. Um, it was billed more of a, like a cultural exchange, like come live in my apartment in Madrid for free in exchange for taking care of my kids and teaching them English. Um, but then of course the fine print was more like bath time and making lunches and shit like that, but... The glamorous side is like an international nanny of sorts. Yes, we'll let the ambulance. <laughs> oh, that's me. Yeah, no, that's totally me. Fine. Um, yeah, I think in my head, I kind of like romanticized it because I was like, oh, it's it's abroad, right? Like, it, especially like it's in Europe, and we get to be in this capital city in Spain, and um, and yeah, and they they do kind of advertise it as a cultural exchange. <laughs> Yeah. Like you said, okay. you're essentially a glorified babysitter. <laughs> yeah. When you get right down to it, that's essentially all it was. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, I think it's, it, it varies case by case, obviously family by family and au pair by au pair, but it's not a terrible way to um, get yourself abroad if you're looking, if you're looking to move, if you're looking to travel, because you do get paid. And I'm going to use air quotes when I say paid because... yeah. It's not much, but it's something. No, it's not much, but they pay for all of your bills, their, your rent, water, gas, all of that stuff. Like, that, those are small things, but if you don't speak the language, it makes it almost impossible to set up shop, and it gives you an excuse, you know? Like, you know you have somewhere safe and secure to go, so maybe if you didn't want to jump straight in head first, like I didn't, uh, it's the perfect opportunity to get a little... It's give and take. You get a secure house with everything paid for, but you have to give yourself a service, which can be disheartening at times, to yeah. say the least. <laughs> to say the absolute least. Uh, <laughs> but it is a, it's a great opportunity, especially if you get lucky and you have a good family. But there are so many people that have horror families, so you never really know. Yeah, yeah, you are taking a leap of faith. I mean, essentially, because like you said, you're you're being invited into someone's home that you've only kind of, in my case, I had had maybe two Skype interviews with the family Same. prior to, Same. Uh, prior to just be like, Hey, I'm in your house. Thanks for having for me. For a year, <laughs> nine calendar months here with you. Yeah. Um, Living in your kitchen. Just exactly. Just, this is me <laughs> in my jammies in your kitchen, making breakfast for your children. <laughs> but God. I feel like, I feel like I got, I lucked out and I was fortunate to have like a, a really cool family that really tried to make me a part of the family. But like that also comes with like its own set of, of issues because like boundaries blur very quickly when they're like, Oh, you, you're part of the family. You're one of us. And you're like, but I'm not a child. Like I'm a I'm an adult. woman. <laughs> I've paid my own rent before. Yeah. Like, it's like that. It, I mean, they like think that they're kind of your parents. I remember one time I went to see my boyfriend. I went to see Jorge and I like didn't tell them what time I was going to be back because I was 24 and that wasn't yeah. necessary. 
And they had his phone number for emergencies in case something ever happened. And so I was there. It was probably like 9 or 10 at night, which in Spain is not late at all. And yeah. the dad called my boyfriend and was like, do you know where Catherine is? Do you, are you with her? Like, do you have any idea? Like, not, didn't even call me. Completely bypassed me. Went to Jorge. And I was like, uh, what kind of patriarchal bullshit is this? Like, what's happening right now? Yeah. And I didn't say anything because I... It, I don't know. I was living in his family and I'm not that good at confrontation, but to Same. me, that seemed like such a blurring of boundaries. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't even know that yeah. happened. That's- yeah. It was really aggressive. <laughs> yeah. That's a little intense. Like it, it is situations like that, that do happen. You know, like we said, it varies family by family. Um, but yeah. And it's, it's hard to navigate because like you're, like you're living in their home. So you essentially have to abide by like the house rules while being an adult. <laughs> yeah. So. And that's really, it's really frustrating, especially if they make like, to me, they didn't do any weird rules, but the au pairs that came after me, now there's one after me who left a party. And the one after that, they made her like come and be in the house at nine o'clock every day and 11 o'clock on weekends. That was like a stipulation of her employment was that she had a curfew and oh, she agreed man. to it. And then by, she agreed to it. And then by the time she got here, she didn't like it and she was complaining. But I mean, I guess you have to give it to them that they put that out front. Like, you, if you live in my house, you're going to have a curfew, which I don't love, but... Yeah. I don't know. And that's she agreed a, to it. That's the hard part, though, because because you... Like, there's some things you shouldn't have to agree to until you're there and you get to experience it. Because for her, she's probably like, exactly. 11 o'clock? Well, I don't know anybody. Like, of course I can be in by 11. And then you, you make friends and you're like, well, the fucking club doesn't even open till like three you're like (laughs) exactly you get done eating dinner at 11 and then she has to sit there like a little girl and she's an adult you know they ask for i don't know it's really hard to go and be a part of someone's life as intimately as living with them Mm -hmm. that's just that was a line that was very difficult like getting out of the shower and there's random people standing there you're like walking (laughs) to your bedroom yeah listening to their fights listening to all their dirty laundry it's it was weird I wouldn't have been able to do it more than a year that's for sure yeah same same as much as I like adored my the children that I worked with and my host family and was still in touch with them for like a number of years up until like recently with like everything happening we just haven't um touched bases with each other but yeah it is it is difficult it's something you got to go into with like an open mind um willing to be flexible and kind of like smart about it because you can make the most of it like like we said like you're still living in Spain you know four years on so like clearly there's there's lots of good that comes with doing this sort of thing no, absolutely. And the part of the way that I assume YouTube, part of the reason that we got our visa was we had to sign up for Spanish classes and like a certain academy that was sponsored by the Cervantes Institute, wasn't it? Yeah, it had to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we all ended up at that academy and the Spanish language academy. And they helped me pay for that. They were like very on board with like integrating me into Spanish society. So they helped pay for my Spanish language classes. And I was also super lucky. I'm pretty sure you knew this already. But the dad, while I was there, was working in Barcelona, which is part of the reason I was there, to help the mom pick up the slack with three sons. Um, But the dad is a season ticket holder for Real Madrid. And so he wasn't there during the week. So I got to go to every single Madrid game during the week for free for an entire (laughs) season. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. No, I knew you had gone to games, but I had no idea. It was like he was a season ticket holder. And they were just like... Oh, yeah. He was a huge fan. Their apartment... Yeah, their apartment was up in the north of Madrid by the stadium because he's so obsessed with them that he wanted to be able to go walking to the games. Oh, wow. And so they lived, yeah, it was so fun. They lived like half a mile from the stadium. 
Yeah, like football is is religion in Europe. It's religion. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, well, but they don't have, you know, they don't. I mean, I guess basketball is kind of popular, but they don't have football, baseball, basketball like we do. All of that is superseded by one soccer. You know? Yeah, yeah that's true. Wow. So um, I guess for like everyone listening, um, a more like taking what Catherine has said and like putting it more into like I guess what is actually required if you want to be an au pair is kind of like, um, first you need to find a family, obviously. <laughs> Number um, one. And you could do that. There's so many websites like opair.com is what I use. And you pretty much create a profile and um, you just start messaging families or they message you. And this is not just in Spain. It's all throughout Europe. You can, you can be an au pair in Paris, in Rome, in wherever. And they're looking for essentially native English speakers. So if English is your first language, like you've got an in, you don't need to be a teacher. You don't need to be <laughs> anything. You don't need anything. anything. <laughs> I would also say that there's also a ton of um, Filipino people that come that maybe English isn't their first language, but there's a huge market for people in the Philippines to take care of children here that teach them English. Um, but that's more of like a hands-on like caretaker role more than like what we did was kind of like Woo, let's count yeah. it <laughs> ours, Yeah, ours was more loosey-goosey. Like we, I think like contractually, because it is a exchange program, you, if you're from the U.S., if you're from the States, you have to take language classes and they have to be at like a certified school, like Catherine said. So we went to Luis Vives, which was awesome. And we had like- It was good best professor shout out to christina who i love <laughs> she is so amazing she She's told so me happy birthday last year and it was like the happiest. oh my god i'm ever so jealous <laughs> it was so fun she's so sweet oh i haven't god, seen so her jealous. though i know i walked by the i was in Puerto de sol the other day not the other day before the pandemic god it feels like yesterday yeah um and i walked past the language academy and i was gonna go in and see if she was there but i don't know i didn't i was lazy yeah i wonder how she is though I wonder too. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. I miss her so much. She was um, so fun. She was so, uh, she was just so patient with us. And we were just, <laughs> she was so beyond patient. And we had like such a, that weird dynamic at, towards the end with like the geopolitical concerns. And yeah. she handled that like a pro. Yeah. She was, she was wonderful. Yeah, and in the beginning... And all the stories she... Do what? Oh, what were you going to say? All the stories? The story she told about her daughter, about Begonia, when she yeah, was a little kid. I, so, so. I know. I wanted her to, like, adopt me so bad. Same. Same. <laughs> I was like, Absolutely. I have two parents, but, like, I could use another one. You can never have too many, especially if they're as cute as she was. Exactly. Exactly. And I was, no, I was just going to say, like, I think it was maybe five like American girls um, when we started, women, when we started our class, plus like um, Lena, our... <laughs> she was Ukrainian. Was she Ukrainian? Oh, yeah, because yeah, no. I, was... I went to visit her in Kiev and she's, yeah, so she's Ukrainian. Yeah, um, and we were and like there's... rowdy. <laughs> yeah, we like didn't pay that much attention and we talked a lot over her. I felt bad about that. <laughs> like, we just wanted to like hang out with her as well. So like she just, like she was just so great and just dealing with us and teaching us at the same time. <laughs> yeah, especially at the beginning when we didn't speak like anything, at least towards yeah. like the middle and towards the end, we could have conversations at the beginning. I also think we were just starved for contact, you know, yes. like you're around people that speak your language and that are familiar with your country and customs. And 
it was just nice to be around a group of people that you could talk to. We should have been speaking in Spanish, but. Exactly. I mean, that's probably one of the, um, I would say the downside. So like, as we were saying, like you, if you're from the U.S., you, um, you got to go to school in order to get the student visa. You can find a family online and like you, I would suggest interview your family as they are interviewing you because compatibility is important. And you want to know, like Catherine mentioned, like, is there a curfew? Am I allowed to stay out late? You know, like, what are the expectations? Um, and some families will lie about them just to get you there. But it's at least good to have, like, written documentation of, like, you said X, Y, Z. And I have, you know, proof. And, like, we only work, like, 30 hours a week, more or less, I think. Like, yeah. contractually, that's all you we were supposed to work. If not less. That sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was like five hours a day, no? Yeah, so maybe it was like 25 no, you're to 30. Right. 25, 25 to 30, yeah. Yeah. Like some people had to do like Saturday mornings. I did like once or twice and like they just kind of left me. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened to me. They really, uh, they caught, oh my gosh, I can't speak English. Like they were yeah. really confident with me or like, I don't know how to say this. Jesus, I can't speak one or the other. Um, but they took the liberties with me after feeling so safe with me that they would just like uh, one day be like, hey, we're going to go grab a beer and disappear for like four and a half hours. Like, what the fuck? Where are you? Like, what if I had plans? It's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So that's what, you, that's what you just want to know, like, what's the deal before, before you get uh, to whatever destination. And I know like you had certain things that like, were really good that I I didn't get and I didn't think to ask for when I was first doing it, but they paid for your school, right? They paid for three-fourths of it, I think. Okay. Or maybe a little bit more. I don't know, but I it wouldn't the school was relatively expensive. It's a little mafia wow. since you have to go to like that certain group of schools, they price gouge and they all do the same thing. So I think the one that we went to is actually the cheapest and it still wasn't cheap. It wasn't um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, it was not. So part of that was that they paid me, they paid for half or three-fourths, I don't remember now, but a significant portion of my school, they also paid me a salary that was a lot higher. I think it was actually like 20 bucks higher than some people's. Um, they, I think they said they would pay for my transportation, but they didn't. I don't know. Nothing yeah, too important. Some people, yeah, some people got their transportation paid for, which is great. I mean, it's, it's all really affordable, especially it's in super affordable. So, I mean, it's, it's not like here and like, I'm in the tri-state area in New York, like a monthly MetroCard is over a hundred dollars or something, but there, depending on wow. like how old you are, you can get like, I don't know, it's probably gone up a little bit, but it was like 25 euros or something. If you were, 20. no, it hasn't gone up. It's still 20. It's 20 euros. So if you're under 20, Five or twenty six? Yeah, I think twenty six. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was twenty six, and you had it up until yeah, until you turned twenty six. But you can travel in the whole province of Madrid. So like, obviously, you know this, but to those who might not, Madrid is the city, and Madrid's also the state. So where I live right now is outside of Madrid, Madrid. But if you're twenty, if you're under twenty six, you pay twenty bucks, and you can travel anywhere you want. Yeah, like that. Where, where the fuck else is that? <laughs> <laughs> nowhere 20 like, bucks 20 bucks that is so price <laughs> so fucking cheap like you yeah feel like you're kind of robbing them yeah and it, um and then like yeah so you do get obviously you get room and board you get your own room sometimes a shared bathroom sometimes your own if you're lucky um usually it's very common culturally to have a housekeeper so you're not cleaning up 
Um, yeah, we had a housekeeper. She was super sweet. And the one that we had was Ukrainian, and she always brought me Ukrainian food. So, like, not only was I learning about Spain, but I was learning about the Ukraine. It was so oh, fun. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Maria, she was so sweet. Yeah, mine was from um, Honduras, and she was, oh, my God. She became, like, my cohort, like, in the house. <laughs> you were, I remember you being really close with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Gossiping. Exactly. Like, oh, did you, did you, are they going so-and-so this weekend? Oh, I didn't know. Thank you for <laughs> Give me the um, scoop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so you don't like you. You don't have to really cook for yourself unless you feel like it. There's there's always someone to cook for you. You don't have to pay for your own food. And then you're just in in Europe if you decide to go to Europe. And so you travel around and outside of wherever you are is relatively affordable. It's super affordable, especially in Madrid. Because I mean, now I don't know if all of the airline crisis after the or during the pandemic. Yeah, but I remember. <laughs> Don't you remember Katie one time? Katie, the girl in our Spanish class, she went yeah. to Prague for like two bucks or something. Like something what? ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, over Christmas, she went to Prague. It's like she did like a, a route through Europe and was paying like five bucks for a flight. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. I never found any of those deals, but she did. Yeah. Oh, no. No, but like Ryanair is like one of the, the like local, I guess, airlines that you can get like $40. You could pre-COVID have gotten like a $40, 40, $40 flight outside to like, I think that's how much I paid to go to like um, Milan. Yeah. Where did you go for Christmas? Didn't you go somewhere cool for Christmas? Where did I go for Christmas? Actually, I was with my host family for Christmas. <laughs> I went with them to, um, oh my God, why am I blanking? Oh my God. It's, it's like near Barcelona, but it's not. It's like the beachy area in, in Valencia. You're- Alicante? Alicante, thank you so Alicante. much. <laughs> Alicante, I've lost brain cells. <laughs> Same. Oh my God, haven't we all though? Um, that's nice. Christmas at the beach. After yeah, being from New York, yeah. that must be a change. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. And then, like, but it's also like, you know, also your host family, if they travel, will usually invite you with them. Um, yeah. And on dinners and stuff, they always took me whenever they would go out to eat. They always invited me always. They were super nice. Yeah. So it's a sweet deal and you get what they call pocket money. Um, you and I may have gotten more than what was normal. I got like 400 euros a month. Um, but that's because I had four kids. (laughs) I got, I'm trying to do the math in my head and I can't, I got 85 a week. I don't know what that adds up to, but a little less than 400, but it was more than enough. Yeah. Yeah. You go up. A, co- a coffee's one thirty. A beer's like one twenty. It's it's super affordable. So yeah. eighty five doesn't sound like a lot, but you don't realize how much you spend on bills and rent and all that until you're not paying it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And you can get like a cheap phone service out there. Like everything is just the cost of living is just way more affordable if you're you know working living as an au pair. I you know for the most part, depending on the city. But I got like, a definitely manicure today. Ooh, yeah. It looks good. <laughs> I got a manicure today for seven euros. Thank you. Seven? seven euros. This at home would be like 30. Seven? Seven. And it's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. man. She did such a good job. Oh, we, we're we going to have to move on to like the second segment soon because I want to hear about your decision to remain abroad, go to grad school. And I'm super like jealous at the moment because I wish that I was like anywhere else. But, um, <laughs> anywhere. Let's just jump right into it. Let's head 
to our main topic discussion known as the stoop. And this is where we get real and get a little comfortable. And today we're going to talk about living abroad and doing grad school abroad. So I think I want to ask you, what for you has been kind of like the best thing about moving abroad, would you say? The easiest answer to that is that I've missed, I've been in Spain since fall of 2016. So I've missed all of the shit storm that's been happening in the United States since then. And that has easily been the best. Like, of course, he creeps into my push notifications and he'll be on the news here. But like, I don't have to live with it day in and day out like y'all do because I am I'm removed from the situation. So that by far, without even a sliver of a doubt, has been the best part. Um, yeah. The second best part has been fulfill. I'm from bumfuck nowhere, Alabama. Just being a literally bumfuck nowhere. Where I mean, where else am I gonna go? You come to Spain, and I mean, literally the there's a arch by my house, and the arch by my house was built I think 400 years before my state was even founded. So I look outside to something that <laughs> I mean, it's insane. It's from like the 15th century or something. No, 14. I don't know. It's old. Yeah, that's a, like one of the things I love so much about um, Europe is like. Yeah, like the historical stuff, the access to things that have been around for so long, but also like the modernity of it as well. That you're like, how how is this ruin right next to this train station? <laughs> yeah, this like super modern train station next to ruins. I don't know. I kind of like the the contrast. Yeah, I don't know. I, I find that people in Spain don't like. Maybe it's because I'm from a place with very little history, but people here don't seem to care. I mean, like, they think it's cool, but, like, they, I don't know, I think they kind of take it for granted. Like, it's something that's always there, so they don't seem to get as excited as I do. Maybe that's just, I get so excited because it's my thing, but they seem to kind of, meh, pass over it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get that, because I'm the same way. Like, when I'm in the city, um, referring to Manhattan, like, I don't necessarily care when I see, like, the Empire State or, like, Statue of Liberty. I'm like, okay. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So like when the state fair comes to town in Alabama, I don't get too excited because yeah. I'm always around there. <laughs> oh, the state fair. So um, God. going with that, so like what was the process like for you um, when you decided to uh, remain in Spain and then uh, do a grad program there? Um, okay, so mainly I feel like I should preface with the fact that I had a support system this whole time in the form yeah. of my Spanish boyfriend, yeah. which is, it sounds <laughs> kind of silly, but it was very important for me. Like I had his support and his family support at all times. And if I didn't have that, I could have done it probably, but it wouldn't have been so easy. Um, so my first piece of advice to anyone who wants to do that is either speak Spanish fluently or get a Spanish partner that can help you through the process. Um, That's great advice. Yeah, it really is because I have cried many a time in a Spanish administrative office (laughs) because I didn't understand many once this week, in fact. Um, It's awful. Um, So obviously price of higher education in the United States is outrageous. And here I got my master's degree and a full-fledged master's degree that was accredited by the Department of Education as being the exact same as a master's degree that I would have gotten at home for $5,000. That's it. Five grand for an entire master's degree. So obviously when I figured that out, I was like, fuck yes, we're going to do this. Um, So you have to have, it depends on the program that you want, but I did mine in library and information science. And you had to have at least a C1 level of Spanish. So after we stopped classes at Luis Vives, I didn't start back up again, but I kind of studied on my own. 
Um, so I got the C1 level of Spanish and I applied and I got my master's degree. Wow. That's freaking awesome, man. Oh my God, I'm so proud of you. I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> it was really hard. No, I can only imagine. Like I barely survived classes sometimes. I was just like, I don't understand anything. <laughs> anything. Why are there so many verb tenses? Yes. Oh my God. Like. <laughs> I still get slightly triggered by like subjuntivo. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the, that every fucking word has a gender makes no sense to me. And I can't, I just, I don't get it and I can't produce it and I fuck it up every time. But I'm doing the best I can. Girl, but you got a whole ass master's degree in Spanish. Like that's incredible. I did. You had to do your thesis in Spanish. Oh, I did. And they have what's called here. They don't do like magna cum laude, sumo cum laude. They don't do that here. They give a award for the best performing student in each class. It's called matricula de honor. And I got it twice what? in two different classes. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. That is um, awesome. I know. I was so proud. I tried really hard. I was like cracked out on Adderall four days a week, like working my ass off. The other three days I was teaching English in, uh, in an elementary school. It was, uh, it was a weird year, but I did it. And I think how much money I saved. Because obviously if I'm going to be a librarian one day, I'm not going to be making that much money. And if I had to pay back 80 grand in student loans, I would never... I would never be able to get wow. on my feet. I can't believe the whole program was 5000 Like, not even, like, a semester, but, like, the whole program. The That's- whole the whole year. And if you're European, it's less. It's half the price. You have to pay double. We have to pay double because we're not EU taxpayers. But if you're European, it's 2500 for a full-ass master's degree. Makes Damn. no sense. Damn. So how did you go about finding a program that, like you said, was – Articulated? I don't even can't even say that word. Um, accredited. Accredited. Thank you. And like equal to like a program, a similar program in the states. So I went to the University of Alcala, which I kind I knew by reputation that it was a good university because they do a exchange with my undergrad university in Auburn in Alabama. Okay. So I knew that it was a yeah. So I that was an added bit of security. But there you can look at lists of universities in Spain and you can kind of, you can tell what's a scam and what's not. If you're good at telling that stuff out, then it's pretty obvious in Spain too. Um, and the ones that you want to watch out for are the mas- master's universitarios. And that's like an official master's. And those are the ones that are the equivalent of a master's in the United States. And other than that, I looked at what I wanted to study. I looked at the schedules. The one in Alcala, the one that I ended up doing is half, was half online. So we had class one day a week and then the rest of it was work at home. And since I was working at the elementary school already, that was perfect for me and my schedule. I would have liked to do one where I had class every day, but it wasn't realistic. So you just have to look the same that you would do in the United States. You compare and contrast with your needs and your wants. And luckily the one that happened to be 10 minutes from my house fit my my needs perfectly. Wow. That is awesome. I've been like um, recently and I've, probably told you this like over the last couple of years, like I've, I've, I keep going back and forth between, do I want a master's? Do I not? Do I want to like, you know, go more into debt? Do I not? Like, will it help career, you know, prospects or will it not, you know, like kind of like that eternal battle with like higher education, um, especially here in the States where yeah. it's, it's kind of like the cost is just not always worth like the, the career prospects. I think in the long Ron, unless you're, you know, obviously a lawyer or a doctor or something that you clearly need lots of schooling for. Um, but I recently found 
um, through, I don't know, social media and like YouTube. It's like called Erasmus and they have it for like master's programs. So it's like a joint master's through Erasmus where like I could go abroad and do it and, and have to like travel with like, do it through two universities, like within Europe that are part of that degree program or whatever. And I could tell you yeah. like English. Yeah. And I was like, that was like the selling, like the selling point for me. I was like, I could do it in English. <laughs> if it can be in English, take my money, take it yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> I can go abroad and study in English. Like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It's a dream. Yeah. And like this Erasmus is like a scholarship. So they pretty much like pay for your, oh, um, hell yeah. your education and your housing and all this stuff. So I was like, damn, like that's amazing. And I will link that for people who are, who are interested in it. So I'm thinking about like applying to that. Cause I think, Absolutely. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what um, career wise I would do with that. I'm looking at the women and gender studies. Cause like, I'm just so intrigued by that, but um, I don't know. I love I, that idea. That's such an important yeah. topic right now. And you can study it in an inspiring place. Like maybe the theory here is a little backwards, the European theories of women, but you know, you could do it in a nice park. Yeah. <laughs> in the shadow of a castle. Yeah. <laughs> Right? I mean, what's that to love about that? Like, <laughs> nice combination. Yeah. And it's also like a way to be, um, I guess, intersectional and provide like my own experience as a woman of color and stuff in, in these environments where that not may not be the case, where there's not many people of color and stuff. So it's, it's something I'm, I'm thinking about. But like your class, was it majority just like Spanish uh, students? Yeah, we were 25, I think. And it was like 15, 14 Spaniards, me and five Chinese people. Um, There's a huge Chinese population in all of the universities in Spain. They come here, I think, because it's cheap and because it's a beautiful place to live. But in every master's program, there's like a significant uh, percentage of Chinese people, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I don't know. We all had to do a language interview at the beginning. And the lady that was doing the interview, like the entrance interview to see if our level of Spanish was high, said that in the case of my master's, 85 people from China applied, but only five could pass the language exams. So it's crazy. The, The diversity, I mean, three nationalities is pretty diverse, I guess, in such a small master's program. Yeah, I think so. I think also too in, I mean, I was only really in Madrid for any extended length of time, but it is very uh, homogenous, like Spain is a very homogenous um, country. So I think even that amount seems like I'm surprised by, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I had some pretty bitchy professors who like to make fun of them. Um, They didn't make fun of me because I had a higher level of English and because I was a blonde girl from the United States. And that's cooler than being another Chinese person. And they were so mean to them. Like they didn't have, I don't think they had a C1. They didn't understand Spanish that well. Or maybe they just weren't paying attention. But she would just like constantly fuck with them and like say things to them. But say them really quickly in the middle of two different phrases to try to like catch them not listening. And when they didn't understand what she was saying, she would be like, they just let anybody in these master's degrees to get money. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like really ugly racist comments coming out of them i left some choice uh, comments on the professor review uh, worksheet that came through at the end of the year because there was definitely a lot of prejudice against 
the foreign students. I had one professor that tried to fuck with me and I would like to say that I fought back, but one day in class I started crying and ran to the bathroom. Oh, no. Yeah, I was about to start my period, so that didn't help. Um, (laughs) Damn periods. (laughs) Fucking hormones. It was awful. But she, like, I don't know. We had to turn in some assignment or something, and I got, like, a seven. They do grades here on a scale of one to ten. And, like, I don't get sevens. I get tens. And that's been since I was five. Like, I just do good at school. That's my thing. Don't fucking take it away from me. (laughs) And she... (laughs) And she gave me a seven and she started telling the whole class why I got a seven. And it was because I was foreign because I didn't understand anything. And I was like, what is your problem? Like, I don't know that I, I, I met with a lot of foreigner phobia, not phobia, but like, let's put the foreigner down if we can. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It could be be part of xenophobia. Definitely. I mean, these sentiments exist everywhere. I mean, even here in the States, but I think what people like fail to realize is like if you could do anything in more than one language like you're an incredibly smart person (laughs) exactly i can i mean it was insane and like their go-to it was mostly like kind of the same demographic at home a karen like an older like upper (laughs) 50s and up white lady who just like fucked with you to fuck with you and it was why and they would always be like well if we were if you could speak french i could speak with you and i was like yeah but i don't speak french i speak english so don't fuck with me. I mean, it was ju- it was just aggressive, the middle-aged angst coming out of these women. Yeah, yeah, which is weird because it's like if you're an educator, like that's your only role is to educate. Like so anything else outside of that is like fucking unnecessary. Yeah, like keep it go go talk to your coworkers, go message your boyfriend or whatever you need to do, but like why would you why would you do that to a student? Like especially one who's like paying your salary essentially exactly i'm helping pay i'm helping maintain this university like what do you want from me i'm doing my best yeah oh man and there's like a difference like there are you know people who go abroad and they're very entitled and they feel like oh i'm gonna party this year i'm not gonna do much like i've seen that in my study abroad where people you know came for the experience outside necessarily the schooling and i get that like that's frustrating to have people come and not want to learn I totally get that. But like someone that's trying, it's like, come on. Yeah. And that was really, I feel like I'm painting a negative picture. That was honestly the only negative that I had. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. it took me double because it was in another language. So that was hard, but it was like a good kind of hard. Like I was being challenged every single day. My brain was working on overdrive. I loved being able to see that I could not only understand the information, but produce information in Spanish about a topic that was pretty technical um the campuses it was the spanish hogwarts i mean it was insane (laughs) buildings from the 15th century columns statues artwork just beautiful absolutely beautiful um and it only takes one year one year instead of two like it takes at home which is a huge plus yeah that's incredible oh my god i admire you so much for for doing that for sticking it out because i can only imagine like having to present in something that's not necessarily, you know, that's not your first language you might not be comfortable in. Also having to, like you said, like write your thesis, do all these things, even just the, the like understanding the text that you're being given and the research that you're being given. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we had a, pro, it was a library and information science master's, like I said before. So we had a bunch of programming classes, like how to make websites and stuff and trying to learn how to program in Spanish was so difficult because they're explaining all these concepts, but the concepts like, you code with English words. So, like they were trying, they would like say a word and like badly pronounced English 
which I don't judge them for, but like, it was really hard for me to figure out like what words, like if I was being taught English or Spanish, that was so impossible. I didn't, I didn't do great in that class, but it was, it was fun, you know, getting to see another perspective, learning about European standards, European techniques. It just gives you a completely different view on things. Yeah. And I would say like, if you're looking to challenge yourself, then doing the master's program in like the language that is native to whatever city or country that you're in is a great way to do it. And it'll also like get you acclimated to the language way faster than like. Exactly. And you'll make friends with local people. Like if for my master's, I made so many Spanish friends, like I had Spanish friends, but like I was able to find new friendships with people from around here and I loved it and go have coffee with one or I go to the village of another, you know, and I get to explore Spain through the friends that I made through my master. Yeah, that's awesome. That's dope. I think that's also like um, kind of one of the regrets I have from like my time in in Spain was like, I was like, I don't regret any of the friendships I made because obviously like I'm friends with you and like there's a couple of other girls and people and I had such wonderful experiences, but almost everyone that I became close with was American. <laughs> yeah, but in that academy, we were all Americans. What else were you supposed to do? We had that, you were friends with that French guy. Whatever happened to him? What French guy? Are you thinking of the a, Maybe. He was really tall, skinny. Oh, I no, have a no, picture. No. Maybe I'll, I'll send you the picture. Yeah, send me the picture because I'm only thinking of my, my German friend, Nico, who I'm still friends with. And then um, there was another German kid who was really great, Pedro. But like, um, for the most part, yeah, it was it was all Americans. And um, because it was just like, you know, that like you had mentioned earlier, there's something comforting about, especially when you're away from home and you're a little homesick of someone who kind of gets certain parts of like cultural norms for you. And especially the language where you're not struggling to be understood. Um but that also defeats the purpose of being in a different country. <laughs> we were also there to really, to give you some support on your past decisions, we were also there at a really weird time because that was the fall that Trump got elected. So we also needed emotional support from people that understood what was going on. Yeah. Well, you remember Ellery who left? Yeah. <laughs> she fucking left. She was like, fuck this. I'm out. Wasn't her dad like a Trump supporter? It was like, it's not that big of a deal. Stop crying. And she was like, fuck you. Oh, I don't even remember that. I just remember her host family was, like, not good. <laughs> yeah. No, they were crazy. And I'm pretty sure they, like, said some comments to her about it. Like, it's not that bad. Everything's fine. And she was a bleeding heart and was like, I got to go home and try to figure out what to do about this. And she left, like, two weeks after the election, I think. Yeah, that was um, that was an interesting time being away from home when that news hit. It was, I mean, hard as fuck. What it was like for everyone at home, but like. <laughs> and the worst part, don't you remember the final results came in at like 10 o'clock in the morning. So like we were up and awake for the day. So we didn't even get to go to sleep to forget yeah. it. Like it was yeah. there all fucking day. Oh, yeah. I remember waking up and just being like, this can't be real. This can't be real. This can't be real. And then like, I spent the day with like a couple other friends. Most of us were American. And like, did we all just kept like shaking our head? It was just like. What, what does this mean? Like, what's going to happen? Like, I can't believe this. Like, we couldn't make sense of it. It was it was so depressing. It was so depressing. It was so sad. And then everyone asked you about it and, like, expected you to be able to explain it. And, like, I yeah. can't explain that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, my host family, especially my host dad, would just be like, yeah, what do you think? I was like, what do you mean, what do I think? I was like, you know I don't support this. I was like, you're looking at me, right? Like, you know I don't support this. Or, like... He'd ask me about like Obama. Read the room, dude. I'd be like, I'm not a polit like I'm not a political science person. I'm not a pol like I, I can't give you whatever opinions you're, you're you're looking for me to give you. I was like, I'm like 
dumb American. I was like, I don't know. Idiot American. Don't ask me anything. Just know that I'm sad. Yeah. Just know. Just know that I don't. <laughs> Fuck this. Oh my God. It was awful. It was awful. Yeah. Oh my God. What a time. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time. And I don't know. I feel like that's kind of fun. Like being able to look back and be like, we were, I was abroad when that happened. Like if everything goes well, then I will have never lived in Trump's America. You know, like if I end up coming back soon and he gets voted out in November, I will never have lived in his America. Oh man, that's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. That is so beautiful. Um, <laughs> Which is like obviously like doing the grad program and then having your boyfriend um, who is <laughs> who is from Spain and who you like met in the states, but like who is from Spain. So having that support system and stuff has obviously helped you like create your own your own life there, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I have I've been in Spain now officially longer than I was in high school or that I was at Auburn, mm-hmm. and that's really weird for me. Ooh, the police. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're on their motorcycles in the park. Um, and that was really, that's been really weird for me. Like I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere but my hometown, but I love it. I have my neighborhood friends. I'm friends with all the immigrants in the neighborhood, the Chinese lady at the bodega, the guy from Morocco in the fruit station, the lady from Honduras that does my nails, like the guy at the tobacco store from Romania. Like I'm best friends with all the immigrants. I mean, I'm friends with the Spanish people too, but like we have that sense of camaraderie because we're different. And I love that. I have my own Spanish girlfriends. I have Jorge's family, which is 200 plus people. So yeah, his mom is one of 16. Um, So I've really, I've made a little life for myself. You know, it's really weird that I've done it in a different country, but I did it. And once you can get over the language barrier, I feel like it's pretty, it's reachable. It's an obtainable goal for anybody. I mean, it's hard as fuck, but it's doable. That is awesome. And that's kind of like how I'm feeling nowadays as I'm thinking like, what's the next step for me? What's the next phase for me? And just opening myself to the possibility, like it doesn't have to be here in the States. Like there's so much life beyond what we're so used to or what we know or what we think is possible for ourselves. Like, yes, everyone's circumstances are different. Like obviously finances plays an important part in this socioeconomic status and stuff. So that's always what's kind of like kept me back. But I don't know, seeing you being able to do it, seeing that there are options um, if you look hard enough, right? Like there, there is a way. <laughs> there is a way. And especially since we're English speakers, you can charge $25 an hour to teach a kid English. And you can make, I had a friend that was working, had like four classes a day on top of his day job. And he was making like $1,500 just teaching eight-year-olds English, which is essentially like having limited conversation. So if, once you get over here, maintaining yourself economically, especially as a native English speaker, is really not that hard. Um, maybe you have to work longer hours than you're used to, but it's extremely doable. And anyone, I mean, anyone can do it. If I can teach a six-year-old English, anyone can do it. I hate kids, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. Everything's fine. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm sure you're an excellent, fun teacher. <laughs> Oh. No, I am. I am fun, but I just treat them like they're little adults. And I think that's why they like me so much, but I don't treat them like kids because I don't know how to treat kids. So I'm just like, all right, like, what's up, guys? And they're like, I want yogurt. Wait, okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So um, we'll just head to like the last segment of it because I know you're, you're, you're out in the park and I don't want to keep you um, out too long.
So this is our final segment and it's called the roundup. And this is where we wrap up what we've discussed and maybe even learn from our talk today. And this will also be the space for listener letters and feedback should you all want to write into the show. And I hope you do at the brownstone podcast at gmail.com. So I think my last thing is like, do you have any tips that you would give someone maybe like a top five for those who are thinking of moving abroad? Um, I would say number one, be calm. Everything is extremely stressful and it pay, especially like visa bureaucracy paperwork is very stressful and it makes you not even want to do it. So just be calm, be patient, make very detailed to-do lists to keep everything organized because if not, you're going to go crazy. Um, you also have to be like emotionally prepared. If you're not ready and you come over here, then you're either going to have a terrible time and drag everyone down with you or you're going to go home immediately. It can't be like a spur of the moment decision. It needs to be something that you've thought of, you thought about pretty deeply in order to be able to fully experience the experience the experience, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Uh, and number three, let's see. I would say pick a place to go based on like your wants and needs. For example, I'm from the South and I don't handle cold well. Like not like, oh my God, I hate the cold. Like I get seasonal affective disorder and I get depressed. So I need to be somewhere where there's a lot of sun and it's warm. And that was Spain, Italy, or Greece. But of course, I had a Spanish boyfriend. So the decision was kind of made for me already. <laughs> um, also, maybe like professional aspirations, depending on maybe you want to be like a rocket engineer. So maybe you need to move to Germany or you want to work in the finance world. So you move to China. Thinking about trying to make a short-term move, have long-term lasting effects. I would look at the language they speak. I mean... I guess if you go to England, you're not really learning any other languages, but always try to have like a side, a side hustle for being able to extend your professional horizons if the day comes that you go back. That's what I'm the most scared of is going back. I'm like, oh God, have I done enough? Have I learned enough? But if you ensure that you're doing enough to protect your future while enjoying your present, I think that's something really important for your mental health. Um, what else? Be open to new foods. <laughs> For example, if you're a vegetarian, maybe don't go to Spain. My sister is a vegetarian. She came to Spain and she didn't eat anything for like two weeks and got super sick. Um, like, you have to look at like the cultural differences. Um, so like, you have to like look at like cultural stuff like that. Like if that's something you're going to be okay with. Like if you're a feminist, you're obviously not going to go live in Saudi Arabia. You know, you have to be really careful and pick places based on where you feel like you'd be the most compatible. Just like we were saying for the au pair families, like it doesn't matter if they want you, do you want them? Or yeah. do you feel like they can mold to what you need out of them? And that, I feel like that's very important. Obviously these, I don't know, my decision was made for me, but looking back on it and I feel like those are five things that are just super, super important to your mental health. Cause it's a toll on your mental health moving so far away from your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. One that I struggled with, which I <laughs> found surprising because like I was on the, the like older end of the spectrum for like au pairs. It's generally, you know, like a gap year for a lot of people, 18 to like, I would say 26, you know, it's like, yeah, I was 24. Yeah. And I was 27, like I was 26 and I turned 27 out there. So I was like, you know, pretty old for like an au pair, but, um, and yeah, I like, like grandma. yeah, I, I honestly did when I was like surrounded by like 18 year olds. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing out here by yourself? Like, <laughs> where are your parents? Don't you have a yeah. curfew? <laughs> like your parents let you come out here? Did they have to sign something? Like what the hell? Um, it's anarchy. 
yeah but I think like I took for granted like mental health stuff and like thought like oh I'm older I've, I've traveled before but it's like no that was the longest I'd been away from home the furthest like the farthest almost I've been <laughs> um and yeah it really did uh take a toll in a way that I hadn't encounter like expected um and you know sometimes you don't always know what's going to happen like some things just come up and that's part of your journey part of your lessons but I would like reiterate everything you just said and just be like do your research just research 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 because <laughs> like, it, it's a it's a it's a commitment to move yeah. over here it's a huge commitment so you want to be completely certain yeah definitely and like things will come up that maybe you didn't um expect and you can't always anticipate things but to at least have an idea of the cultural norms and the customs of the cost of things of you know like you were saying things as far as like even the weather like are you going to be happy in this place and like don't just get stuck on getting away or the name of the place cuz i think i almost went to like paris and like i think now like i would have been completely probably fucking miserable cuz i don't speak a lick of yeah french. <laughs> and the french people are assholes they say the parisian people are just insufferable like just horrible people and at least in spain everyone's relatively nice relatively i would say nice. 98% <laughs> nice yeah but i you know sometimes you just get stuck on like the idea of something and sometimes you got to let go of that like idea and go for something that actually is more uh suitable and like there's you can search almost anything like i remember when i before i went to madrid i like had googled on youtube like au pairs in madrid black women in madrid like i wanted to know as much about what kind of experience i could expect as like possible so, absolutely it's such so a smart thing to do yeah the info is out there my last question to you is like would you recommend moving for love <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's working out pretty well for me. Um, <laughs> I know a handful I know a handful of people actually that have moved here that moved here without anybody didn't know any like you did moved here yeah. just to see how things go and they've gotten married to Spanish people or maybe you have a Spanish boyfriend for a while and you break up but you have that experience. It's been so important for me, not important. Well, yeah, important, but also interesting like to see the difference between my Spanish boyfriend and the American boyfriends I've had and like compare, contrast, pros and cons and it's really helped me to figure out like what I need from a partner and how to like, especially the Spanish are so talkative and they say everything and it's really helped me to become more communicative. And so now like I'm very good at knowing what my needs are and voicing those needs because I can, I'm not stuck with the same. So if you're going out with the same type of people all the time, maybe you miss things because you've never been exposed to something else. But if you get out there, you see what else you, either what you could be missing or that you're sharing the fact that you're happy where you are. One of the two is going to happen. And what you have to know either way. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I can't, I can't wait for my international love story. Just one day. Go hang out. Go hang outside of the UN building. You'll find somebody. <laughs> and on that note, guys, that's today's episode. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Oh, I'm so glad. Yay. <laughs> all right. And that will be all for today's episode. I just want to say thank you to Catherine again. Thank you so much, girl, for recording with me, especially out there in that park. I appreciate you so much. Um, also, guys, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, 
um, Amazon Music. We're everywhere, okay? <laughs> and also, you can follow us on social media. The Instagram is the Brownstone Podcast, and I'm also on Twitter. So please stop by and please share um, if you feel so inclined. If you like what you hear, and yeah, love you all. Hope you have a great day, and yeah, stay blessed. Bye.